and welcome to the Noble Football Podcast. This is a special Q&A episode, a little bonus episode because it's the international break. There's no Premier League of fixtures to discuss. So uh, we reached out and asked you for your questions uh, about the Premier League season so far, which we're going to discuss in due course. But first things first, hello to you, Barney. How are you doing? How's things? You enjoying the international break? Uh, yeah, I am actually. Well, I've got to come clean. I haven't actually watched any football. I didn't even watch England the other night, which I'm, mm. in hindsight looks like it was a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm good, man. I've, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed thinking about uh, some of these questions for this week's podcast. So yeah, to keep my my toe in the water, as it were. To... <laughs> Is that a phrase? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> dipping, it, oh, no, dipping your toe in the water. I don't know. We'll go with it. We'll, go with it. <laughs> we'll make it work. Uh, what about you, man? Have you been watching any international football? Um, yeah, I did watch the England game, which was a bit of a write-off, so the less said about that, the better. But obviously, my team still played, because mm-hmm. late in Orient, don't stop for the international break. I try not to bring up Orient too much on the podcast, because it's not related. Uh, but because, you know, this is a bonus, things are a bit looser, <laughs> uh, <laughs> a bit more relaxed. Uh, late in Orient won their, I think it's their eighth game of the season. We've now won eight games out of nine. We drew the other games, so we're unbeaten in nine games. And apparently, it's the best start to a League Two season ever. So it's not nice. a bad going. The team's doing pretty well. And they won against Barrow at the weekend. So if any, I know a lot of our listeners kind of follow all sorts of football. So definitely keep an eye on Lady Norwich this season because we're winning a lot of games. This is getting very loose now. But I, I heard a great <laughs> story about from uh, someone today about... Russell Slade, so the, who's who was one of the old Leighton Orient managers, and this guy is a Brentford fan, and he told me a great story about Russell Slade. So there was the old Leighton Orient manager. I think it's around the time when uh, Orient and Brentford are both trying to get promoted from League One into the Championship, and I think um, Brentford beat Orient in a game, and um, which almost guaranteed them uh, second place uh, ahead of Orient. And I think Russell Slade said um, something along the lines of, uh, "Oh, they were celebrating like they won the cup." <laughs> anyway, this this guy's a Brentford fan. So the next time they went to Orient, someone had organised all these silver cups, like cutouts, with Russell Slade's <laughs> face put on them. And he said there was about a thousand of them going around the away fans. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, it's just a lovely little, it's a nice little touch. You don't see enough of that sort of stuff. <laughs> you don't see enough pettiness, do you? Yeah. No, good times. I remember Russell Slade very well. Uh, always have my memories of him running down the touchline when we scored a con- the equalising goal against Arsenal and his cap flew off and revealed his big bald head. And Yeah, wonderful times. No, Mourinho, is that sort of bringing it back to Portuguese football? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's tenuous, but it's the only link we've got, so we'll go with it. Uh, but back to Portugal, like I said, we have some good questions from you guys on Twitter, so thank you to everybody who sent uh, a question. Um, How about, before we dive into the questions... Can I, I something I've been wanting to ask you a while. So far, is how do you rate this season? For me, it's I'm finding it fascinating. Like yeah. really interesting, like start, there's so much going on. I, like more interesting than usual, I'm finding it. Well, definitely at the top end of the table. Definitely, because obviously as a neutral, you want you want uh, intrigue, right? And you want a competition. I think last year we didn't really have that. It was different. You know, Porto winning the league in the way that they did. It was enjoyable in a different for a different reason because you were just watching a, a great team every week. And that, that that's fun. But sometimes you want a title race. Sometimes you want uncertainty. 
And mm. I think that's what we're getting this year. And, you know, Porto and sporting fans won't appreciate me perhaps enjoying the fact that they're not doing so well. It's not because I don't want them to do well, but as, like I said, as a neutral, it does make things a bit more interesting. So definitely, yeah, definitely it's been a great season so far, but even I think just in terms of some of the teams that are doing well, like Bovis, the Caspia, Portsmouth, I found that very interesting. I think it's been one of the more, more unpredictable seasons. That's it, I think. I think the only, the only predictable part has been Benfica. Mm. But other than that, I would say it's largely been very unpredictable. And you can even, again, go down to the fact that Maritimo and Passos de Ferreira have been so shambolic. Yeah. Know? So he, at pretty much every every stage has been pretty unpredictable other than Benfica, who have been very predictable. But, I, I mean, even Benfica, man, I think, I think seeing how they've done in the last two seasons, you know, as good a transfer market as they had, it still didn't feel guaranteed to me that this is all going to click together. <laughs> so it's great that it has, but I think even that, you know, I think I've just found it so, I think it's just been so hard to predict things or have a sort of, have a firm grasp of what you think is going to happen. Like particularly, particularly like mid, mid to lower table, I think that's been the biggest thing for me. I think there's been, there's so much uncertainty around so many clubs and that really hasn't helped in sort of having a grasp of like, how are they actually going to do come the end of the season? Mm. But like you said, you know, this is, it's been, we're set, we're, we are getting a better idea now. We've had, um, we're, we're at the point we are and, and yeah, I'm excited to dig into these questions. Can, can, I, can I be honest with you? And you're going to think I'm, I'm lying, but I'm, I kind of, predicted this for Benfica. I I kind of thought this would happen. I thought yeah. I thought at the beginning of the season, maybe, I mean, I'm not saying I predicted exactly whatever it is, 100% winning record. Because I was listening to um, the great Portugal.net podcast, right, which is Tom Kunda and Matthew Marshall. They, they do a great podcast. It's, I think it's about once a month. Um, and they did a similar thing to what we're doing now. It was like a mid-season roundup. Uh, and Tom was saying, not only is it that they've won 13 competitive games under Roger Schmidt, but they've won all 19 games, including friendlies that Roger Schmidt has ever managed Benfica for, <laughs> which is quite a good stat. But like, so like I said, I, I didn't predict 13 competitive wins out of 13. But I have to say, when I just looked at that squad and the manager and the players that they brought in, I couldn't see a team as good as them. Uh, did you not? Do you not agree with that? Before the season, no, no, I, 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 predicted them to, I think I predicted them to win the league. I think it's not as convincing as they've been. I think you know the, the way Porto and Sporting have sort of slipped up on the occasional game. I was expecting maybe at least one of them by now from Benfica. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But there's been no sign of that whatsoever. I think the 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 one thing I did get wrong was I thought Sporting, I thought Sporting would be more of a challenge than, than Porto. I think, mm. alas, hey mate, we get lots of things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, when we hit back on those predictions, I think I put Santa Clara in the Europa League places, didn't I? <laughs> Jesus. All right, let's move on swiftly, shall we? Um, and do the first question. All right, and the first question comes from Harshif, who is quite literally our day one longest-term supporter. So a very big shout-out to Harshif, who's a great friend and a personal friend as well, someone I met in person in London recently. So a big shout-out to Harshif. Thank you for your three questions. A little bit cheeky, three questions. But because he's a good mate, we'll let him off. First one, Barney, um, similar to what we were just talking about, how long do you think Braga can sustain this form? I think this is a question I've asked myself as well a lot recently. Um, I think we've got to look at the differences in, in the squads to previous seasons. And we, we've talked on this podcast a lot about the depth in the squad that Braga have. Um, and I was trying to pinpoint perhaps 
players who, if they were to sustain, because that was the thing that Braga had over the past two years is big players got injured, right? Oh, uh, you know, David Carmo is a prime example. Um, Sakira as well, who's having a fantastic uh, season this season at left back. You know, he was out a lot of last season. Um, and so they've had to deal with those big losses and and the reality is the backups that they've got in in the squad isn't isn't as good or anywhere near as good in some cases, particularly when I think about the sense of which they had in the last previous years. Mm. But this season, you know, that's that's one of their strengths, in my opinion, is that depth. I've said it before, I think there's a player in every position. Like the only one I could think of, Al, and I don't know if you agree with this, is Mateus the keeper, right? And I think because I think he's a player that I haven't praised at all this season. I, you know, and he has put in some very, very good performances. Yeah, and and I think he's the one. You know, if he was to get an injury, would the backup be a good, good enough? Would would they be be able to secure points? That I don't think Mateus has had to pull out a, an incredible performance to secure Braga a point or anything like that so far. But that that might come later in the season, and I just don't mm. know if he's the one player that I could say would. Would cause issues if they got if if, if he got injured in that style. I think he's been excellent. I've, I, he's really impressed me. I think there have been times when he's been perhaps inconsistent, but he's always had great talent, and I think he's he's in great form at the start of the season. Um, so to answer the question as well, how long do we think Prague can sustain the form? A, a while would be my answer. Like you, I think things are going well for them. They're in good form. The squad's in good nick. Uh, there's no serious injuries so I mean unless there's a big disaster I can't see this anything changing before the World Cup will they be affected in January by transfers Uh, is there any possibility that the manager moves on those type of things you know hypotheticals if things stay as they are I think they can sustain this for a long time that said I just think there is obviously the, the, the one suggestion that perhaps they're not used to being in a title race and how will the players respond psychologically to that because I think you know it's likely that there will come a dip it's like that there will come a loss perhaps an unexpected loss maybe a kind of they play against a smaller club who do a bit of a smash and grab against them and it you know that they're kind of yet to be really tested um, we'll come on to it later in the show, I'm sure. They're about to have a really big test, <laughs> um, which will be really interesting to see when they play Porto at the weekend. So there's a, there's for me, I'm, there's, there's loads of positives, um, but there are still a few unanswered questions. So it's a long season. I think they're in a really good position right now, but there's they're yet to be tested and we're yet to see how they respond when things perhaps don't go their way. Do you know what you you mentioned the game there coming up against Porto? That is that could be key, right? Because mm. they're what they're three points ahead at the moment. They're on nineteen, Porto on sixteen, um, and the you know you're talking about the mentality of a title race there. You know, I was about to ask you whether the mentality for them should be the title race or whether it should be finishing a finishing third, like or, you know, and whether how that will affect them if if they decide to think like that. If they play Porto at the weekend and maintain that three point cushion, mm. right, then that's that is a bit of a game changer because they have that gap, you know, that that yeah. cushion, and and I think that's really important. You know, they need. I think that they might need that cushion. That might be important. And I think that I'm putting a lot on this game. I'm putting a lot <laughs> on this game now. But that that was my only question I have on about um, our George is, and and for no reason of his own, but you know, 
Braga's mentality. And if he can, if he can, if there is, we've t- touched a few times saying we think we've seen a slight change in mentality from Braga yeah. this season. Yeah. It's whether it's there and whether that's, the, you know, that, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? I think it's the biggest game of the season so far for me personally. So, very interesting game to look out for. For anybody who is not, obviously, Braga fans will be watching that, Porto fans will be watching that. But if for any of our listeners who are not one of those team supporters, you have to watch this game. It will be available to watch in the UK somehow and we will be tweeting it about it and letting you know where you can watch it. It's, it's for me, the biggest game of the season so far. I'm very excited. Um, let's do harshly the second question, Barney. What should be the realistic target for, for sporting now this season? Uh, I'll put out my, my, my answer to that first. My instinct is now just to write off the title, of course, and say go for Champions League, whether that's second or third spot. And of course, sporting fans will disagree with this, but would you be that upset with the Europa League spot for sporting? It's a nice question, isn't it? Because <laughs> I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because it, I'll, I'll just be blunt about it. I think they'd do a better job than Braga in, in the Europa League. You know, with the way we've seen them playing in the Champions League so far, they would do a better, have a better go and have, have a. This is more a reflection of sort of Braga's financial capability and quality of squad. But, you know, Portsmouth, uh, Sporting. I was about to say Portman ends there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they are in the Europa League spot, but sporting it. <laughs> there's no shame in it, is there? It's obviously the financial, <laughs> the financial aspects of it. Yeah. But I don't think I would. I don't think I would be unhappy with Europa League. Well, they've got a twenty million pound bill for Trincao to pay for at the end of the season. So I think from that perspective, Champions League football will be very useful. Yeah, I think they've got to aim for top three. That's definitely not over that fight. The title is a write-off, um, but Champions League they have to fight for. And if they end up with Europa League will look, then they've got to take their medicine and sell for it and just try and do a good job in the Europa League uh, if they can. But still not impossible that they will end in the top three. Uh, and lastly, Barney, reasons behind all three of the promoted sides doing well, especially Casapia and Shabs, but also Rio. Yeah, I like this one. And it's something that we've been sort of skirting around a bit in, in previous podcasts about how, you know, well, I've certainly felt that the, the promoted clubs have all come up with a just a better more balanced squads than some of the other teams in this league, you know, due to the fact that they've been, they've, they've largely kept, kept their teams together. Chavs and Casapia in particular for me, I think, uh, have got really good coaches. I think they're, they're really well organized teams and, and, the, and the players get it as well. You know, they, 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 they clearly know what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and I guess similar to Riyav, although I think I, I would, I'd say Riyav are sort of more of a, They've got more exciting attacking players, I would say, on paper. Yeah. But um, yeah. maybe the question shouldn't be about the reason why the promoted teams are doing so well and why the, the current, some of the other teams are doing so bad. That, that could mm. that could be maybe the question. But I don't know. I just think that when I've seen them play, all, all three of those teams, there's a there's a. I think they're really well coached. I think there's some good managers in other teams who's doing who's doing really good jobs. Yeah, I think they're really well run clubs. I think that's what it's down to. Mm. You know, Casapia, we know uh, from our preseason show. They, you know, a really well-run club who've planned for a return to Premier League for a long time and that's now come to fruition. Scouted well, signed good players and now they've ended up in a position where they've got a good manager, a cohesive squad, good players that know how to work together, know the system, who are not intimidated by being in, in the Premier League. And I think that's key. You know, none of these clubs look out of place in the Premier League. And I think that comes from good long-term planning. Chavez as well. Uh, and Rio have slightly different, obviously, to Casapir and Chavez because they were more recently in the Premier League. But Rio have, I think, equally run well because 
they got relegated and that relegation was so bad. It should never have happened. And, and they could have imploded. Mm. They could have crumbled, but they planned really well and, 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 and solidified and, and went straight back up. And I think that's credit to the manager and uh, the people upstairs. So that, yeah, for me, all three of those very well-run clubs, clubs who've planned for life in the in the Premier League and are executing their their plans very well. So thank you, Harsha, for your questions. I hope those answers were uh, informative. Well, next question from friend of the show, Zach Lowy. Big shout out to Zach. We joined Zach on the latest episode of the Quarterlinish podcast. If you don't follow Breaking the Lines and Zach already, go and follow them on Twitter and check out the Quarterlinish podcast, which me and Barney uh, were guests on most recently. So thank you, Zach, for your question. Who asks, who is the best French striker in history and why is it Simon Banza? <laughs> Bit of fun. <laughs> but <laughs> but it does, I think we should talk about Simon Banza in the season he'd said so far. It won't take long because the answer is basically he's just a fantastic striker and I don't know why Sporting didn't buy him, to be totally honest with you. But just his season so far, how pleased are you that he's been able to make the step up? Because, you know, to be fair, Family Cal is a step up and he's kept performing, he's kept playing his game and he's bagging the goals at the moment. Yeah, I think it shows... I I, I find this whole Banzer thing absolutely fascinating, right? Because I was trying to think back to our conversations about him last year and I, and I think you described him as someone who would score three goals in a game and then go quiet for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this move to the Braga team is showing that when he's in a better team with better service you know that the, the goals will keep coming and more regularly yeah but what, what i find really interesting Albert, is that you know you said there you don't know why someone like sporting didn't buy him mm. but sort of circling back to what you know when we were saying he was a bit of a hot and cold player do you think that is the reason because i know hindsight is a wonderful thing in it but it does feel like a massive failure that's that's so, like for the fee he went to braga why someone bigger didn't pick him up I can only assume it was it was they considered it and there was some reason why they didn't go for it. Maybe Amram didn't think he was right for the system. But mm. um I think he showed more than enough last season. He he scored 15 goals last season. You know, he scored yeah, more yeah. goals than Polinio. So um I think he showed more than enough to to be signed by a bigger club. But let's not focus on that. Let's focus on the fact that he's at Braga now. He's at a great club in second position in the league. His goals have contributed to that league position. It's a move that's been so beneficial for both parties. I'm sure when he's sold on for a big fee, it will benefit both parties again. So he's having a great season and I'm really pleased for him. Um, and I think he's got a bit of a way to go before he becomes the greatest French striker in history. But he could be the greatest French striker in history of the Premier League, depending on how long he stays and how many goals he scores. Uh, cheers for that question, Zach. Um, next one from at DSF Fernando on Twitter. Is Maritimo already condemned? Yes or yes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, where do we start with this one, man? Because, I, do you know, I feel like I felt, I've fallen foul of this a few times already this season where I'm we're always trying to look for the positives and I feel like we can always find a reason why they might be right. Why teams might be all right. You know, we've done it with Passos. I feel we've done it with Maritimo. Um, if I'm thinking with my heart out, but I think that... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's something there. To, for, there's a there's a team in there that that can do better, and I think well, you it's, know, the, it's the same team that did better last year. And, so and, that's not that's not a controversial statement. No, not at all. And, and with the addition of a couple of exciting young players, I think yeah, you know, the, you know, I've, I've, particularly Zazana, I think I, I've I've liked the glimpses I've seen of him. 
And yeah, and <sighs> do you want me to come but, in, Bonnie? Listen, yeah, I want you to come in. <laughs> Set me straight. <laughs> They're five points of safety. Yeah, that's yeah. two wins. It's two wins. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Because they've been so dreadful. But yeah, of course they're still in it. Of course they are. You know, this time in, in, in a month's time, we could be saying, what was all the fuss about? They could have 12 points on the table and they'll be mid-table. Um... <laughs> Even with Jao Henriquez? Even with... Oh, <laughs> Listen, it's not good for them, but absolutely not. Things are not over. They've played seven out of however many games we're going to play this season. And they're five points from relegation. So from that perspective... If they can get their act together, if they can sort out their defence and they can just get a couple of goals from somewhere, there's no reason why they can't catch up with... All they need to do, Barney, all they need to do is finish 16th. It's all they need to do. And then obviously win the playoff. But all they need to do is get two places up. So, you know, and I suppose, you know, obviously the question wasn't about Passos, but we can probably extend it to Passos as well. We've only got one point. Neither of these teams are out of it. You know, they've still got players that have proved that they can do just enough. All they have to do is enough and they've still got the opportunity to do that so as bizarre as it might sound considering how much we've we've hammered them and how much we've we've criticized the way they played and stuff and and you know people know my thoughts on Jarrah Henriquez I I don't rate him at all to be honest but all they've got to do is get is get five points and then they're back in it so it's not impossible at all um although I I'm not sure I think I would probably still say we'll have to see come come the World Cup see where they are then things look bad at the moment but they've got an opportunity for things to get better and, and so no in to answer the question are Marita already condemned no I don't think they're already condemned alright let's run with that <laughs> <laughs> alright thank you very much uh, at DSF thanks for the question mate alright next one comes from at Betis Robert or Robert um, I'm not sure how you're pronouncing that um, it's a question about Boa Vista uh, the first of two questions about Boa Vista. So this one's quite simple. Can Boa Vista keep up the good form and finish in the Europa spots? I'm finding these questions about keeping up form are the tough one. But what I think I've seen from Petit and his entire time at Boa Vista now is a, a, an upward trajectory. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I can sort of see that still going. So... I really like the team. I think I've grown. I had my doubts at the beginning of the season. I didn't think they'd perhaps strengthened. Strengthened, you know, they obviously yeah. brought in lots of players, lost a few players, and I don't, I'm not sure if those players actually improved the team. But you know, I think I've been proved wrong, particularly at the back. Um, you know, in the defense, I think that you know, uh, there's a couple of players there. Vincent Sasso stands out for me as someone that you know, he looked like a a. a Another Adorami, you know, experienced yeah, yeah. French guy coming in, to, but but yeah, she's actually done. He's actually done well. And the the theme I'm getting from this Burvis the team is that there's every single player is working. You know, is working on the single from the same hymn sheet. You know, they they all they, they all know what they're doing. Yeah. So I'm I'm quite confident, Albert, and I I've got to be as well because I did I did tip them to get there. Now, <laughs> season. So, but the, I've you know there's a there's a real. Players are playing really well. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure we're going to talk about it later, but Kenji Gori in particular is just, you know, a mass, markedly improved player under, under Petit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we'll bring in the second bovis to question just so we can talk about it at the same time. I think that makes sense. Uh, the second bovis to question came from at I'm Nevis, who I, I know is a bovis fan. So thanks for the question, mate. And he just elaborates pretty much on the original question and says, 
um, what are you enjoying most about Benfica right now from the players to the coach? So I will deal with, I'll answer both those questions in one go, really. I, I like Boavista a lot this season. Can they finish in Europa League spots? They could, but I think a lot of that will unfortunately be out of their hands because there's four good clubs, really. Benfica, Braga, Braga, Porto and Sporting, all of which are having very different seasons, but all of which have very much got the opportunity to still finish in the top four. So I think even though Sporting obviously are having problems, just given the squad that they've got and the resources they've got, people won't enjoy me saying this, but they would still be, to be honest, I would still put them in my top four come the end of the season. So whether or not Bovis to finish in Europa League spots is possibly not down to them, especially when you consider they've got teams like Kazapia breathing down their necks. Can they finish in a Europa Conference League spot? And that's a different question. Um, I would hope so. I think, so like you say, it's, it's similar to the Braga question we were asked earlier, how long can they sustain the form? The squad depth's pretty good. The players they've got are doing well and, and there's a lot of stability. That's what I like about Bovis. They seem almost out of nowhere after the last two seasons where there was so much like uncertainty. They've suddenly seemed like quite a stable team with, with good options all around the pitch. So, uh, But let me put it to you like this. Like, go on. Look, the, better team than Vittoria. Better squad than Vittoria. I'd say yes. Yeah. Better squad than Porto Menendez. Yes. Yeah, better squad. Yeah. Slightly. Better squad than Estro Pryor. That's a difficult one. That's um, a difficult one. I, yeah. So for me, when you're looking at the teams outside the traditional four that are going to be up there, you're looking at Casapia, Estoril, Portimonens, and Boavista, and maybe Vittoria, depending mm. on how they do. So there's five good clubs there. Um, I would probably put Boavista above Casapia and Vittoria, and probably Portimonens. Um, I'm less confident about Portimonens, just the way they crumbled yeah. last season. So they've got a good opportunity. I would say they should be aiming for top six. And I think top six would be a great season for Bovista. Yeah, certainly. Um, and and just to go on to Nevis, I'm Nevis's part of the question then. Specifically, what's been your favourite element of this? It's going to come to nobody's surprise that I think Kenji Gore and Guy Spakuta are, I would say, probably our two favourite players in that team at the moment. I think yeah. I think Kenji Gore is a, a very underrated player. Um, and I can, in a way, understand why he's been a bit underrated. Perhaps he's not been very consistent since he's been in Portugal. Um, but this season he's been incredibly consistent, and I think he's one of one of the league's best left wingers. He's uh, he's at the top of the table for most completed dribbles, I believe. Uh, you know, not David Neres, not Ricardo Horta. Uh, you know, not all these players who play for big clubs, not Trincao, not Marcus Edwards. Kenji Gore is at the top of that list. And when you watch Boavista play, honestly, I'm not surprised because half the time it seems like their tactic is give the ball to Kenji and let him mm-hmm. run at the defence. And and it seems like nine times out of ten he will beat his man and make something happen. So I think he's been he's been brilliant. And Gaius Makuta, a bit of a revelation, really, just the, the way he's playing, the way he's able to offer so much more than just a traditional central mm. midfielder. It's quite surprising because you look at him and you think he doesn't look like much. He doesn't look like he's going to have real grace or, or, or quality, but he's he's really contributed in that way. So for me, yeah, specifically in terms of players, I've been most pleased with Gore and, and Makuta. And I kind of, as a team, the thing that's pleased me most is just how comfortable and consistent they look. Yeah. I, I've, I've I've also been impressed by Bruno, the the who's been playing left one back now since uh, Hamash has left. He's sort of managed to keep a, a spot on the team despite, you know, Ricardo Mangas coming back to the club who was who did it ex- exceptionally well for them a couple of seasons back. So, yeah, I, I but I've, I I can't disagree with you on Kenji Gore and Kuz. I think they've mm. both been, yeah, just absolute standouts for me. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, look, next question, and we're going to do another double question because we had similar questions from our good friends at the Portugal Corner. Definitely go and give them a follow and listen to their podcast. Great guys. Uh, and from our friend at FCP1992, who asked the same question about ben, uh, Benfica, Bonnie. Portugal Corner asked, when will Benfica's reign of terror come to an end? And at FCP1992 ask, is it SLB's league to lose or is it too early? Um, I'll go early on this one. I think we both said the same thing at the top of the show. Um, I think Benfica will win the league this season and I thought that before the season started because I thought their squad was better than any other squad. Um, I thought they had the best players uh, out of all out of all the teams in the league and I thought their manager was a really smart appointment and I think he was a very competent manager. So I think they ticked loads of boxes. The squad depth is scary, man. It's frightening, like the number of good players they've got. They've got Lucas Verissimo to come back from injury binding and they're talking about can he even get back into the team? You know, and we saw how good he was last year. So, yeah, for me, uh, it is Benfica's league to lose, and I think they will win it. In terms of when will the reign of terror come to an end? I mean, not this season, uh, but then of course, summers, as we've seen, make big impacts on Portuguese clubs. So, yeah, it's too early to sort of talk about dominance going beyond this season. I d- I don't know, man. I d- I don't know because I I, you know, when you, if you really think about it. In terms of players that they're feasibly going to lose for big money, Goncalo mm. Ramos is probably the one. They might lose Murata at centre back, possibly Grimaldo. Yeah. But then, Jean Mario, Rafa Silva, I, I can see them finishing their careers here. You know, and, and yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't, I don't see them moving on. Enzo Fernandez, yes, might move, but then you've got they've got good depth now. Arsenal's could. Um, feasibly stay there for a while. You know, I you could be we could be looking at several seasons, and I think. This is now sort of going away from Benfica, but Sporting and Porto have got a lot of ground to make up, and it's going to be hard to do because mm-hmm. the, the way Benfica, you know, Alexander Barr, for example, he's just arrived. He's having a good start to the season, but, you know, they don't need to send him straight. You know, I don't know. I just think there's, I think we could be looking at a, a long reign. And I know I've gone big on Benfica before and been proven <laughs> wrong in other, <laughs> but, you know, particularly with Schmidt as well. I just think that. I, I just think everything's it just all looks like it could stay stay together for a while. This, this yeah. group, a larger group of the players, manager potentially as well. Like, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's certainly their league to lose. And I tell you what, it, it's worth pointing out as well that, you know, last year when they had their, they had a fantastic start of the season and then they all sort of capitulated, there was something wrong with that club, you know, p- yeah. but a lot of those old guard players have gone. You know, there's very few people who were. I'm just talking about Pitsy, basically, but you know that they're they're gone. It's, it's it's a fresh, fresh group of players. You know, players who are hungry to perform. Like Goncalo Ramos is a great example. Of players really hungry to perform for Benfica, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's um, that that's that's obviously one of the differences as well that's helping them. One of those old guard that moved on, Barney. This week was a Delta at uh, someone everyone knows. We're big fans on. Just before we move on, a, a few words from yourself on on the loss that is a Delta at. I think he's gone to Dubai. I think of all places, Dubai. I think so. Uh, <laughs> what did I say? To... I said I said he was straight off to the Middle East, mate. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to start doing a podcast about <laughs> Dubai. <laughs> oh yeah. man, I'm good. I, I I I love yeah, I love the I love the guy. Everyone knows me how much we love him. I would have just love to see him at a different club, just tearing it yeah. up, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. We said it before in a Marisa show, I would have loved it, I think. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. All right, well, let, let's do our last question. The last question is a big one. It came courtesy of Dito, who's a good friend of ours on Twitter. Thank you for your question, Dito. So this one is, what is your starting lineup of the season so far? So obviously this is quite a big question. So me and Barney have gone away our, uh, in our in our own separate time and, and put together our 11s of the season. Have we both gone 4-3-3, Barney? Yeah. Makes things nice and easy. So we're going to run through this position by position, talk about who we considered and then who we settled on, and then we'll end up with two separate teams of the season so far. So let's start, without further ado, with the goalkeepers. I had a four-man shortlist, Barney, uh, of mm. goalkeepers. Um, it's not a set number of players per position, by the way. It's just whoever we thought was worth considering. So I, I considered four names for who's been the best keeper of the league so far. Diogo Costa from Porta, Mateus from Braga, Jonathan from Rio Ave uh, and Danny Figueira from Estoril. So, did you consider the same names? I'm intrigued. Yes, I, I actually, I tell you, what, I don't think I had. I didn't actually hold Mateus as high as the mm. other three. I, I, okay. I, 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 it's hard not to go for Diego Costa. So I did. Fast it is. Myself. It is. <laughs> should we start? Should we start there? Because I, I didn't go for Diego Costa. Just to, to put out a spoiler. Another spoiler. Another July. <laughs> interesting because he, he he has been excellent and he is a fantastic goalkeeper it's worth saying before we even get into all of these positions what does it mean to be in the best 11 of the season so far what does it mean to be the best in your position because there is although it's not just about picking the player with the most quality I think Diogo Costa is the best goalkeeper in terms of quality out of these four Yeah, I think it's also about the impact you've made on your team Yeah, and how that's kind of affected their season so that's also a consideration there is a there is a kind of relative aspect to this hence why I didn't go for the other crosser but that was very tight um, did we go for the same name Barney I went for Danny Figueira from Estoril yeah same yeah interesting so you say why you went for it in a sec I basically went for him because I think his saves have made the most impact to Estoril's season like goal goal denying saves that he's made consistently throughout the season and do you know what my, my hunch because he was my initial hunch was backed up I did, I did look at stats for this you know, people know we don't always go into stats, but I did want to kind of give me something to put put him aside. I believe he's got the most, and this is quite complicated, rather than expected goals, he's kind of saved the highest yeah. amount of expected goals uh, than any other goalkeeper in the league, which is basically a fancy way of saying he's saving more big chances than, than anyone else. He's making more key saves. And I think that shows when you watch Estoril play, you get that impression of him. He's, he's saved penalties you know, at least once this season. And I think he's made a real impact on Estoril, and I think they wouldn't have the same points tally if, if it wasn't for him. Yeah, I yeah, it's. I think the thing for me because I, I I've been interested in him a little while now, but I remember last season, you know, he and the season before that, even when Estoril were, uh, were in the lower league and, and getting promoted, you know, he hasn't nailed on the number one spot. Right, mm. he he was had he's had spells out the team. He, he didn't finish the season in in the in in the team uh, last season, but. What we're seeing now is like, and because he's only twenty four years old, right? And, and he's he's getting more confident. You know, he's got three clean sheets from seven games so far. So he's he's on he's certainly on course to improve from his clean sheet record from last year. I think we're just seeing a player getting a slightly more mature, getting a bit um, used to used to being at number one. And yeah, he's he's just really impressed me. And I think I, I really like that stat about the um, expected goal save because I I think that is a very telling. Because it it yeah. shows you like like you say it just shows a guy who's, who's saving stuff he probably shouldn't. So absolutely, yeah, I'm happy to. I'm glad we both agree on that. 
Absolutely. And I, and, and I do just want to give one last word to Jonathan because I think he's a great goalkeeper. And whenever I watch him for hour, he, he, he makes really impressive saves again. When they played Porto, he was saving saving shots that he really didn't have any right to save. So, yeah, those are my four. And in the end, set, we both settled on Danny Figueira. Let's go to left back, Barney. Um, I'll tell you my shortlist and you tell me yours. My shortlist was Grimaldo at Benfica, Sequeira at Braga, Leonardo Lello at Casapia, and Pedro Amaral at Rio Ave. Yeah, I I didn't have as big a shortlist. I, okay, I went for Grimaldo and Nuno Sequeira as as my two, but I okay. like I like the other two you mentioned there. I, I particularly um Pedro Amaro. Well, quickly on those two then, because I I didn't end up picking those, but I I did choose them just because you know for two newly promoted clubs they've obviously both had great seasons. Casapia and Rio have well, Casapia have had a great season. Rio have had some some good moments, but they're two players who I think stood out, and I think left back is a difficult position to shine in unless you're playing for a really big club, if that makes sense. If you're a big club dominating possession, counter-attacking, getting big chances, it's, it's quite easy as a left-back. It's more easy as a left-back to get forward uh, and get involved in the attacking side of things. So I think just to, I wanted to look at a couple of players from smaller clubs who I think have made similar impacts. Uh, Leonardo Lello, 21 years old, playing for the Portugal under-21 national team, by the way, done really well. And Casapia, Pedro Amaral, obviously... I'm almost just picking him off the back of that Porto game where he was so good. Yeah. But he has been good in general. Um, so those are my two. So out of Grimaldo and Sakarin and Barney, because I had those two, who, who did you end up going for and why? I've said on Grimaldo. I, I okay. think, I think, uh, yeah, I just, I, I just think I wasn't expecting him to, to, play, to be as good as he has this season. I think the way the last season ended, those whole stories of him moving away from the club and, and with them, you know, that if he could Picking up Ristic as well, who's a, who's a you know a not as good but a good enough player to potentially start with. Grimaldo had left. I, he's just done well to step it up, you know. And he's 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 been really good for them on that left hand side. He's worked really well with Jao Mario. Um, yeah. He's obviously got a goal here and there. Um, and I I think it's maybe it's the Grimaldo we we always seem to expect, but you know I still think that's a, that's a hell of a player there. Yeah, no, undoubtedly. I, I did actually go for Sakara just to make it interesting. But I genuinely think you could pick either of those players. Like that's mm. a really hard choice out of those two. And, and and both of them have been phenomenal. And you could genuinely go for either one. So I think I just went for Sakara because I think he's just not put a foot wrong all season. He's just been complete he's just been perfect all season, every game. He he's been fantastic. And he's been a little bit overlooked in that Braga team. Because mm. he's been there a while, you know. But I thought and I, I think I think he's a phenomenal left back. And I think similar almost to, to Mateus, who in past seasons has perhaps been inconsistent this year, has been in incredible form. And um his link up with Rio Ave, um with Ricardo Water uh, has been has been excellent. So I went for Sakara, but to be totally honest, I would I could have easily gone for Kamado as well. And I think that's a really, really tough one. Uh tough choice at left back. Centre back gets a bit interesting, Bonnie. I only had a three man shortlist. Which is quite weird because it's such a big position, and obviously we have to pick two players. So I'm not sure why I ended up with the two two man shortlist. I think it's kind of because I knew who my two were going to be from the start. What was your shortlist first? Go on. Oh, I had a shortlist of about eight. Go on, go on. <laughs> well, I'll, try, I'll start with the ones who sort of just. I just felt perhaps these are just honourable mentions. You know, what I mean, I think Vin- yeah. Vincent Sasso, uh, Bovista, who I've uh-huh. briefly talked about, Andre Amara, Vittorio Grimash, I think has really impressed me. Um, I put three Casapia centre backs in Jao Nunes, <laughs> Vasco Fernandez, and Nerman uh, Zalatic. And I've stuck Stephen Vittoria 
as well. Great but choice. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the three that I was I put the highest were Pedro at Portman ends, Otamendi, and uh, Siko Niakate at Braga. Wow. Have you got That's any of those? Really <laughs> unexpected. This is, okay, this is really unexpected because my three man shortlist is the only one that's on your long list is Vasco Fernandez from Casapia. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the thing, I think the reason I had such a short shortlist because, like you said, there were a lot of people you could have mentioned. So I, I, I kind of left those out and just went for the ones that I really considered. So I, I can, the only three I considered uh, were Antonio Silva at Benfica, Vasco Fernandez at Casapia, and Vito Tomena at Braga. So oh, we lovely. Got, so we both went for different Braga centre backs. The one thing I will say, by I mean, you know, we like to keep it civil, but uh, secondly, Carter has not played as many games as Tomena. He's missed the last few games. That's the only I thing know. I'll say on that one. I know, and and do you know what? Same similar with uh, Otamendi as well. I could have picked either of the, you know, either yeah. of the Benfica two, either of the Braga two. And Nikate, the reason I went for him over Tomena is because as, as good as Tomena has been, I just like the way that, you know, this is a player who's just just arrived in this league. You know, he's yeah. almost played as many minutes this season as he did for the whole of last season for Mets in, in, in League One. You know, he's he's got that gold as well. He's come in replacing Carmen on that left side of the defence. Like, I just think that's a, a real good yeah. achievement. You know, that's, it's, that's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's you know, sort of taking into account the adjustment he would have had to make to coming over here and how settled he's looked when he has played. I'm guessing you, you, you chose him then for the team in the season? I, I was really, honestly, mate, I really struggled with this one. I Because I, I should I talk about my other two? Because because uh, for, for Pedro for Portimonense, I think I've always liked him. But I think if you think of the big changes that Portimonense like backline has gone through, you know, losing William Russia, Samuel Portugal as well, who who will be a loss to the way that that defense is organized, and you know, and and who's come into this backline for Portimonense? Raul Vesely, a young kid, sec from the lower league, and mm. so a lot's been put on Pedro and, and they, they, you know, they've really good defensively. And then similar with Otamendi, you know, he, who as good as Antonio Silva's been, Otamendi would be right there next to him guiding him. And I think that's sort of, that's why I went for Otamendi because, you know, he's, he's, he's brought this kid into the back line and even in the Champions League too, you know, an 18 yeah. year old next year and the way that, that the Benfica's defence has been. So I don't know. <laughs> I couldn't make the stretcher. So you, did you nail it down to two? I'll go on and I'll say Pedro and uh, Otamendi. I'll go the last two. I think that's the right choice. I think that's the right choice. Well, interestingly, I picked two different players. I went for I went for Antonio Silva at Benfica and I went for Vitor Tomena. Although you really, really do make a good point about Otamendi, about how his influence on Antonio Silva is, is what's been able mm-hmm. to let him play so well. So I think I would almost, if we were doing you know, a combined 11, I would probably concede Otamendi. But I went for Antonio Silva and I went for Vitor Tomena. Um, and you know what, partly this is me making up for the fact that I really was down on him last season. Yeah, same. Um, this was another really good comment in the, on the Portugal Portugal.net um, podcast, which, again, I really recommend people listen to, was that Vitor Tomena was kind of cast aside last season and considered mm-hmm. surplus to requirements. Um, and he's been anything but. He's played every game for Braga and he's been a rock at the back. He's been completely reliable. He seems to cut out all the errors from his game. And I was been really impressed with him. So yeah, for me, I, I had to go with with Tomela and uh, and Antonio Silva. That was my choice. Let's quickly do right back Barney, so we keep things moving. Um, I had a four man shortlist for right back. It all gets a bit random. <laughs> Just four players that I liked a lot. Uh, no particular order. Thomas Silva at Vizela, who I liked. Uh, Alexander Barr at Benfica. Fard Mufi at Portimonense, and Thiago Santos at Estoril. Oh, <laughs> I, I I forgot about um, Fard Mufi. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell, tell you why I didn't pick him because I knew you were going to pick him. Uh, but um, 
I, I had two, and I had Fabiano from Braga and uh, Jean oh, right. Carrera from Shabs. Um, wow. But I, I, I liked your shortlist as well. I mean, I'll briefly talk about mine. Fabiano, I, I really, because obviously there's going to be a lot of Braga players in this, my 11, but Fabiano, I thought uh, they, they signed Victor Gomez from Espanyol and he started the first game of the season against Sporting and he came off injured and, and Fabiano came in. And he hasn't looked back from that moment. And I think that is a big moment because it, I think that showed to us that, you know, Fabian had been at the club the whole last season and he perhaps wasn't Arthur Jaw's first choice at, at right back. Yeah. But since he's there, he's been fantastic. Jao Correa as well at Shavs. I think, um, I've, I don't know, there's something about him that I just really love. I it just, as a wing back, he, you know, he just offers so much, works so hard up and down that pitch. He's got one assist so far. It's really important to the way Shavs play in terms of quick counter attacking. Um, but I think I would have asserted on Fabiano eventually for my for my my right back spot. Fantastic, yeah. And you know what? I think combined that's six players that you can make a genuine genuine argument for. Mm. So right back, you know, we're having suddenly a birth of good right backs in Pereira Liga. I, I settled on Fard Mufi. Yeah. Um. I think Porto Menens again. Porto Menens a club that we haven't talked about all that much this season, but who really we shouldn't be asked to underestimate what they've achieved. Uh, fifth place at the moment, really good season for them. And Fire Mufia player who's been there a while. You know, we forget how long he's played for Porto Menens and uh, he's kind of had his ups and downs, but he's always been a quality player. Uh, he's a leader in that team mm. and and he's been fantastic this season. So I almost went for Alexander Barbe. He, he didn't start the season, so I wanted to give him Fire Mufia because he played the games. Um, yeah, let's start with right. the defensive midfielder when we move into midfield, Barney. I split it up as one defensive midfielder, two creative midfielders, basically. Yeah. Defensive midfielder, Simple three-man shortlist for me. Almas Ratti at Braga, Florentino Luis at Benfica and Arrive at Porto. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Once again, I've got different... I went guys for Kuta because I was, I, I was sort of... I don't know if I was going classing as defensive. Um, I also had Almas Ratti as well uh, and Guga. But I, I think I would have... I'm, I'm interested to hear why you chose... I know why you chose Arrive. He's I, been fan. Uh, go on. He's, go on. Well, no, he's I been, just think he hasn't been that consistent. That's that's what I'd say. I think he's been one of the few consistent things out of that Porto team. I, I would Fair. disagree with that. I think he's played well in games when, when Porto played badly, in, you know, Champions League and and in the league against Estoril particularly. So that's why he was in my team. Almas Ratti's been good. And then Florentino Luis. Did you have Did you have Florentino? I didn't pick Florentino. I went I went with Enzo Fernandez. Well, this is it. Okay, well, this is where it gets confusing about central midfield yeah, because yeah. I've got Enzo Fernandez and Makuta in my next you know yeah, central yeah. midfield section so uh, for, let's move on now but for defensive midfield i did settle on florentino because i consider him a, a proper defensive midfielder he intercepts he tackles he moves the ball forward and and i, I really like florentino louise i really want him to succeed at benfica and mm. i'm really pleased to see him coming back after some some poor loan spells and make his name at you know let's face it the club where he he belongs you know yeah yeah no, I, I. Do you know, Albert? I, I think your your lo- love for Florentino has has been infectious because, you, <laughs> I, no, just because. Do you know what? I, and it, this is, I imagine, many fans have gone through the same thing. The fact that you were sort of cast out from the team the last few seasons and wasn't given opportunity. I, I, I came into this season with my doubts, you know, and yeah. I think, I think, you know, your 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 belief in him sort of rubbed on me, and I, I you're right. We're seeing a hell of a player now. I'll tell you, if I, I actually went for. So my three players, I had one player from, I had a few players from Benfica on the short, but the one player I stuck in my midfield out was Jao Mario. Um, and I, 
I just uh, he's been so excellent, and I, I think the way his career has panned out last season, you know, this could well truly have been the beginning of his end. You know, particularly seeing the players brought into the Benfica this 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 summer. You know, I I was all ready for him to like just yeah. fade out of the team and disappear into a skew, end up in the Middle East for example. But he's shown his worth to Schmidt, and he's shown his worth to the team. You know, with his four goals. Um, to assist free man in the match awards, you know, he's been fantastic. And then I paired him with uh Francisco Gerardas and Guys Bakuda. Nice. So like that, that, that was my free that was the free I settled on. Really good. Well, I also went for Jean Mario in midfield. Um, not just a candidate for midfielder of the season, but honestly candidate for player of the season. You have to be honest. I you know, I don't think he's a very popular choice with people who aren't Benfica fans. Because mm. like you say, he's, he, he obviously has a reputation for what happened between him and sporting and he didn't do well last season but you have to face the facts and, and, and say that he's been brilliant this season so Joao Mario goes straight into my team um, I considered Enzo Fernandez and really wanted to find a place for him but I decided to just go with one Benfica midfielder and go with Joao Mario Gerard Teixeira from Chavez as well who I think mm. uh, was one we said to keep an eye on difficult for him to stand out but um, again I did I did look at his stats just to see whether I could find an excuse to include him and he created 20 20 chances a season, so not bad at all. Doesn't make it into my 11. Again, Makuta I considered. But the player I settled on, Barney, Takahiro Kunimoto from, from Kazapia. Oh. Because... It's interesting you cast him as a midfielder. That's a little bit cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> he, he plays in a 4-3-3. It's fine. He's a, he's a camp. He's an eight. Um, but yeah, so my midfield three, Florentino Luiz, Joao Mario, and Takahiro Kunimoto from Kazapia. And just a couple of words on Kunimoto. Um, a surprise package for me. Uh, and he's really stood out. Just his range of passing is is up there with the best in this league. For me, he's created great chances. He plays his system really well. Um, and he was above Teixeira for me. He was above Makuta for me. Um, and I put him above Enzo Fernandez because he's he's contributed more in terms of goals and assists. Maybe yeah, that's not Enzo Fernandez's game, but you know it came down to that. And, and I was delighted to take the opportunity to put him in the team. So yeah, my midfield three. Florentino Luiz, Joao Mario, and Takehiro Kunimoto. Uh, let's go up front then, Barney. Last three spots. Right wing, left wing, striker. Right wing, I considered David Nerez, Luri Medeiros from Braga, and Saviour Godwin from Casapia. I found, honestly, I've got to be honest with the listeners. I found the forwards thing so hard. I it is I tough. Can... This gets tough. I, I always settled with David Nerez, I think. I, I've. I'd... I just feel like he's a bit of a maverick, you know. There's something about this player that, that that's so exciting, and he just just stands out. And I think, do you know what the the thing is? I think he's got a lot, lot more to offer. Like, yeah. I think he could really go up another gear. I, I totally agree, word for word, with that. He's already one of the best players in the league, and and you sense he's kind of playing at eighty percent. So yeah, David Neres for me at right wing. That was that was quite an easy one. Um, what about left wing Barney? Uh, my I had four on this because I, you know there's a few players I really considered. Rafa Silva at Benfica, uh, Ricardo Horta at Braga, and then I included Kenji Gore and Pedro Gonçalves. What about you? Yeah, that was I. Those four players, I, I considered all of them. I think um, I said quickly on Pedro Gonçalves. Did like was he the only sporting player who who, who I think got he was the only... near this list? Yeah, I think so. I, Marcus Edwards, I considered, but I actually didn't go for any of them. But maybe I should have. I think that's interesting. Also, Diego Costa, for me, was the only Porto player who got near this list as well. But anyway, yeah. that's a separate conversation. <laughs> but I, I went, um, I I think I said on Ricardo Hora. And I think, I know this is an easy thing to say, right? But I think he could have kicked up a stink for not getting this move to Benfica, but he's been exemplary. He's, he's And 
I don't know, I'm caught in this romantic idea of him doing something with Braga this season and like the, because of the fact he's staying. But I just think he's just such a good player, man. And like could be the difference for for Braga, for Braga finishing where they do at the end of the season. He's that he's that bigger player. Absolutely, I agree with that. Uh, Kenji Gore, I've already spoken about. Pedro Gonzalez, I think, deserves to be here because he's, he has contributed with goals. Yeah, he's been uh, good. And, and, I, and do you know what? It was 50-50 between him and Marcus for me. Um, Marcus has been rotated a little bit uh, and Pedro Gonzalez has been starting more games. So I think that's just why Pedro Gonzalez edged it. I, I tell you what, Pedro Gonzalez as well, I think that he, when he's been asked to play in that midfield, that's been unfair on him in terms of... Yeah. Yeah. Him playing at his best, I'd say you know that's not that's out of his control. But um, yeah, that's that's the only thing I'd say. On him. I, it came down to a choice between Rafa Silva and, and Ricardo Horta for me because Rafa Silva obviously playing in an amazing team, getting loads of goals. Um, Ricardo Horta again also playing in a team in form. So again, similar to left back when it was a choice between Grimaldo and Sakera, mm. how do you choose? I did go for Ricardo Horta, even though mm. he had kind of two got two games where he was a bit slow at the beginning of the season. Um I think he's been excellent and he's he looks like a well beater again. And I would totally accept anybody who says Rafa Silva deserves to be there ahead of him. I think Same. that's a really tough choice. But I settled on I settled on Ricardo Hall and that was just personal preference. Yeah, yeah. Same. I think both Rafa Silva's been really good as well. Striker Albert <laughs> uh bit easier than the wingers for me, Barney. Although I did have four good choices. Uh, Simon Banzo at Braga, Mediterranean at Porto, uh, Gonzalo Ramos at Benfica, and Yakubu Aziz at Rio Ave. Nice. I, I, I've I started to come around to Fran Navarro. Fran Navarro's playing better. So I'm, I'm starting to like him. I hit you with one key stat about Fran Navarro. Hit me. He's missed the most key chances of any player in the league. That He's is missed... the sort of stat I lap He's about. missed 10 key chances. I love that. Oh, well, he's out. He's out the shortlist. I mean, <laughs> I remember. Um, I remember a few years back, Douglas Tank had that record as well. I think for the most. <laughs> just... And I think you loved him as well, didn't you? <laughs> I love. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be. It's got to be Simon Banzer for me. Uh, mm. Yeah, we've. we've uh, I, I think Goncalo Ramos is starting to get into gear now. Started to show like it. I think it's taken a little while. I think Mediterranean's been good, but I think. Do you know what? One thing I've been thinking about Mediterranean is that we've always raved about him. And 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 rightly so, but I think Porto is screaming for someone to step up. And for me, he's that the player closest to being able to do that, but he hasn't quite done that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that that was the sort of blonde Mediterranean for me. Yeah, I think to be fair to 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 Mediterranean, I think he's also you got to remember that the the team is not the same as it was last year. So his kind of lack of being completely uh, on the top of his game. It's not just down to him. So, yeah, I did settle on Simon Banzer as well. That was quite an easy one. But Yakubu Aziz pushed him closest for me because I just, you know, five goals for a year after seven games of the season is a great return for a player who's just been promoted to the Premier League. And Gustavo Ram, similar to you, yeah. He's, he's growing, he's getting better, and I like him a lot. But he's not, um, yeah, Simon Banzer was, was the easy choice for me. All right, we should just quickly run through the teams then to finish. Uh, just, to, just a reminder, my team was... Danny Figueiro in goal from Estoril, left-back Siqueira from Braga, centre-back pairing of Antonio Silva from Benfica and Vitor Tomena from Braga. And my right-back was Fad Mufi from Portimonense. At defensive midfield, I went for Florentino Luiz with Joao Mario and Takahiro Kunamoto playing ahead of him. And David Nerez on the right, Ricardo Horta on the left and Simon Banzer up front. I had Daniel Figueiro in goal from Estoril, Fabiana from Braga at right-back, 
Pedro from Portsmouth at centre back, Otamendi from Benfica at centre back, Grimaldo from Benfica at left back. Had a midfield of João Mario from Benfica, Francisco Gerardo from Estoril, and Guys Maguta from Boa Vista, and a front line of Ricardo Horta, David Neres, and Simon Banzer. Wonderful stuff. Feel free to let us know whether you agree or disagree. Like I said, there were quite a few tough choices in there. So I think there's an awful lot of debating that you can do. Uh, and of course, a big thank you to everybody who, who gave us their questions for this slightly more relaxed episode of the Liverpool Podcast. As you can tell, there wasn't much uh, pre-planned structure to this one. And um, The one thing we can do this week that we couldn't do last week, Barney, is end the show, as we always like to do with some game recommendations for people to watch. I think the game to watch is obvious because I already called it the game of the season so far. Just to be clear, that's on Friday night at 9.15pm UK time. That's Porto versus Braga. We'll find out what channel that's going to be on for our UK followers. Good chance it will be on BT Sport. I hope it is. But if not, it will be on one of the streaming services that you can get either on your phone or on the TV. So that's a big game. Um, any other games catch your eye, Barney, in case people want something to watch later along on the weekend? I think it's quite a good weekend, actually. I like um, I like Saturday as a whole. Vizela mm. Porta Men's 3.30, Shabs Estrel 6, and Vittorio Grimash Benfica at 8.30. Shabs Estrel screams out to me as it could be a, a really interesting matchup. Yeah, definitely. That could be a good one. Uh, and if you love a bit of relegation battle action, uh, 6 o'clock on Sunday, I'm going past the Ferreira versus Aruca. I feel like there'll be goals in that game. Even though there'll be goals, it'll be mm. the worst game of football you ever watched. Uh, it really is 50-50. <laughs> so definitely check out that one. All right, well, that's all we've got time for on this week's episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast. We'll be back next week discussing all the weekend's action as Premier League of Football returns. A big thank you once again to everybody uh, who gave us their questions. Um, a big thank you to Zach Lowy, who had us on the Quarter Lineage podcast, and also to James from Pogba Goal, who had us on an Irish football podcast where we talked about all things to do with Portuguese football. Uh, really interesting chat, that one. Really enjoyed it. Definitely listen to that because we get a chance to talk about Portuguese football from a kind of bigger picture perspective. So that was quite that was quite nice, and, and uh, I think it turned out really well. Um, Keep an eye out for Barney's articles on the Portugal.net website. I believe there might be another one this week or maybe definitely in the next couple of weeks. Um, can you give us a little teaser, Barney? Just looking into Casapia, nice. the team, so delving into that, that, that squad and a little brief history of them. Yeah, definitely keep an eye out for that. Well, look, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening. If you, want, if you enjoyed it, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or a star rating. On Spotify, if you want to get in contact, you can find us on Twitter at LongballFootball. But it just leaves me to say thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week. See you next week.